are going to be talking about, we're going to be continuing on our Just One series. And Father, as we begin this, Lord God, I just pray for each person here, Lord God, would you bless everyone with more understanding of your kingdom, of a greater revelation of who you are, Lord God. Father God, we want, we want our lives to be significant, Lord. And I pray that today what we learn would further that aim, Lord God, would cause our lives to be more effective. But Lord God, it's not just about effectiveness, it's, it's about um, being linked to you in such a way that the effectiveness of heaven is a natural byproduct of our lives, Lord God. And I ask that that would be true of all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So as we were, well, as I was thinking about just one, um, I was reminded of a joke that we often hear, and it goes like this, that God one day was speaking to Joe, and he started explaining to Joe how the way things work on earth is a little bit different from the way they work in the heavenly kingdom. And he said to Joe, you know, you know, Joe, in, in, the, in, in the world, um, one rand is equivalent in my kingdom to a million. And Joe goes, wow, that's amazing, that's amazing. And, says, and another thing, another thing, in your world, one minute is in my world worth a million minutes, which is a lot of years. So Joe is like amazed and he turns to the Lord and he said, Lord, some lights are going on. He said, Lord, I'm not going to ask for much. Can I please just have one rand? <laughs> and God says to him, sure, son, in a minute. <laughs> so, so when we think about just one, we're not thinking about just one minute or just one rand. We're thinking about just one soul. And in the same way as minutes and rands that, that are just small commodities here are massive commodities in the kingdom of God. So your interactions with individuals on your everyday life become massively effective in kingdom environments. Your relationship with that friend at work, your relationship with that friend in your family, that new relationship you've started are, are creating avenues for the kingdom of God to invade communities. And though it seems like a small thing to you, to God it is something spectacular and he is using it to bring about something, something amazing on the earth today. So we're going to be looking at a scripture, John 1 um, 43 to 48, if you, 43 to 46, sorry, if you have your Bibles here, you can open them there, otherwise you can just go ahead and read along with me. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, said Philip. And we know the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story is Nathaniel did come and he became one of the 
12 disciples that were closely related to Jesus and that he anointed, trained, and raised up in three years and sent out to change the world. What I love about this story is that it begins like this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. In other words, Jesus was somewhere else. He looked at his men that he had called to him. Peter was there. John was there. James was there. Andrew was there. And he said, we're missing someone. And he left where he was and he went to Galilee to find Philip. An amazing thing about the kingdom is that God left everything. I mean, he, he was in this perfect environment of heaven and he, he looked at it and he said, oh my word, all these people are missing. Jack's missing. Connie's missing. I'm going to step out of heaven and I'm going to go and find them. Because you have been chosen. In my mind, when I read the Bible, I look at the kinds of people that Jesus chose. How he actively went and found people. He, he actively moved, uh, sailed across uh, seas, went to difficult places, stepped out of his comfort zone, was ridiculed because he associated with certain people, but he was determined to find those ones. He was determined to choose you. He was determined to choose me. He found Matthew, a tax collector. He found Peter, a fisherman. He found Paul, a religious Jew. He found Mary, a prostitute. He found, I don't even know his name. I've just named him Tomb Dweller, a demoniac. Do you remember that guy who had like a legion of demons and Jesus cast out those demons into the pig and pigs and he went back to his community and called all of his community and there was a great revival in that place. And then he found, again, I don't know her word, Samaritan, oh, her name, sorry, should I say, he found Samaritan woman, a failed spouse. Yeah. Now, in a woman who'd been married multiple times and had never been able to make her marriage work, and he, he looked at her and he saw something more than her failures. He walked up to her and he chose her because in her he saw something. He saw a woman created in his image. He saw someone who could bear the message of who he was. He saw someone who could be changed by his presence. He saw someone who could be transformed and who would, who would reveal the glory of God. And for so many of us, God stepped down and chose us. And he did, looked past our failures. He looked past the relational turmoil we were in. He looked past our problems. And he saw someone. He saw someone that he could use, that he could inhabit, that he could transform, that could be used to bring about change in the environment. And you know what's here? I, we talk a lot about us being on a mission to bring God's kingdom in, into areas. But I want to say this. Even if you do nothing for him, he's still choosing you. I want you to know that. He's choosing you because he's choosing you. 
But the great thing is the act of him choosing you changes you. You know, I, I will never remember primary, I mean, I'll never forget, should I say rather, I'll never forget team choosing times in primary school. You remember those? You remember those? And it was, the teachers always chose the really sporty people to choose the teams. And all of you were like standing there in your little gym outfit, all terrified, and they pu pulled out these two strong um, athletic children from your midst and said, okay, you choose teams. And they were all choose one by one. I choose so-and-so, I choose so-and-so. And all you could think, you didn't care about the game. You didn't care about how well you were gonna play. All you could think is, please don't let me be lost. Please don't let me be lost. <laughs> You remember those times. And deep down you knew that you weren't particularly good at the game, perhaps. And you thought, if I were picking teams, I don't know if I'd choose me. But Jesus doesn't choose like that. He's not, who's going to benefit me most? Who's going to make my team look the best? He looks into your heart and he sees you. He looks into your heart and he sees a creation of the Most High God. And he's not concerned about whether you're good at the game or bad at the game or whether you know all the answers or whether you would be effective for his kingdom. All, all he can see is, I choose her. And where she comes from is not important. It's where she's going to go because I am going to go with her. He found you. You can fill in your name there and you can fill in your occupation. He found you and he chose you yeah. and he called you. Just like for Philip, he left the comfort of his immediate environment and he walked into your environment to find you. Most of you, he found you by virtue of someone. Do you remember that day when someone first shared something about Jesus with you? I remember what a hard time I gave them. Now really, my sister was the one who, I had actually come to know the Lord a little bit earlier, but I had very much backslidden and my, my sister was serving the Lord and she was telling me some things about Jesus. And I was two years older than her, so quite a bit smarter than her, not because I was actually smarter, just because I'd had two more years on this earth. And um, I just gave her an argument that ran rings around her, you know, and I could see her face just going, oh, I don't know how to answer that, I don't know how to answer that. But you know what, when she left the room, I, my heart was like, oh my word, I know she's right. I know she's right, despite the opposition I gave her. Yeah. Something inside of me was set on fire by what she said. Perhaps it wasn't even logical, you know? But it grasped something in my heart. Yeah. Not because she was wise and clever with her words, but because Jesus was at work. And it was more than just her. It was Jesus kind of empowering his words with his presence. Right. And that gives me great hope when I, I share my faith with other people because sometimes they don't always respond well. But I'm confident of this, that whether I do well or not, Jesus is going to infuse my words with something more than just what I said. 
And whether they hear me at that moment or not, something's going to happen in their heart. So I was at the Cape Town airport yesterday, had a little bit of time to kill, and I was sitting at the mug and bean, and um, the waiter was serving me, and he appeared to be a little bit grumpy. And um, Andrew has this uh, kind of competition he has with himself that if he's ever around a grumpy person like a waiter or something he tries very hard to get that person to laugh and if he can get that person to laugh he's made it so I was sitting there and I was thinking let me be Andrew today so as he was coming backwards and forwards I started just striking up conversation commenting about different things he was doing and finally I could see him relaxing and then he started to talk to me and so we we started a conversation we commented about that I'd only had a salad and how was that a good enough meal for a human being and uh, uh, yeah. so we went but <laughs> but as I was talking to him just a feeling came into my heart that he was far from God. And a thought came into my heart that God was going after him. You know, it wasn't like angels stood there. There weren't lights. It wasn't like my Bible fell open at a certain page and I was, you know, scripture jumped out at me. It was just like a feeling, very slight feeling. I could have passed it by. But I said to him, I'm just, I'm just curious you know, I feel like um, you're further from God that you, than you want to be, but I feel like God's saying that he is pursuing you. And I was ready for him to say, no, that's, uh, no. And then I would have just said, oh, I laughed about it and carried on with something else, talked about the, the tea that I'd ordered or something. But he stopped and he said, that is so weird. You know, a little while back, I was in an accident and my car was completely written off. And you know what? I didn't even have a scratch, not even a bruise. And when I got out of it, I thought, this is not normal. <laughs> so I said, oh, that's interesting. See, God, he's with you. And then he said, and you know what? Another thing is recently I was robbed and the guy came at me with a knife and he stabbed me in my uh, back and it went straight into one of my kidneys and I was taken to the hospital and they said they were going to have to remove that kidney and it would never work again. And there were these guys, they came around to the hospital and they were praying for people and they prayed for me. And then the doctors did the tests again and they said, that's funny. But your kidney actually seems fine. We can't explain it, but we don't have to operate. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, now, now I'm confident, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> now I'm confident. <laughs> I was like, yes, God is pursuing you. But I am confident of this, really I am, that no one makes it as a Christian unless they are in a Christian community. I really, I'm absolutely confident of this. So I said, I took it one step further and I said, you know, I believe that God is reaching out to you. And I am, but I'm sure of this, that, that he, the way he's reaching out to you is that he is pulling you into a church of people who love him. And he said, you know what? I've been thinking. <laughs> that I should go back to church. 
And so the conversation went on, and I um, asked him where he lived, and I managed to get him hooked up with one of our churches in Cape Town. That's a really fantastic church. And, you know, the, the, I didn't even have to tell him about our church, because as the conversation went on, he said this to me, but what church are you at? You know, it's like I was asking him about what church he knew in his area. He's, no, 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 no. What church do you go to? And I'll tell you what it is. It's that, that he, he saw Jesus reaching him through someone. And he, he was like, I don't, I don't want to just go to any church. I want, to, I want to be part of that kind of community. That kind of community that reaches people. That kind of, people, that kind of community that will, will stand in a restaurant and, and hear me, see me. And you know, the other thing that was so great for me in this is that it highlighted to me a point, is that God is more interested in the salvation and the coming home of the people around you than you are. And that he is already at work in the lives of every single person that you will meet. So you notice that as I started interacting with him, I could find places that the Holy Spirit was already working. I didn't have to invent anything. It's like I could hear from him, hear from his stories, where God was working, and I could just agree with that. Right. I could reinforce that, and I could take it the next step further. I could, I could say, well, in light of that, have you thought of this? And you know what? That makes this whole reaching out to people so much easier. Because it's mean it's, it means it's not all about our wisdom. It's not all about our ability. It's, it means that, that we can relax and we can just partner with the Holy Spirit to do something in people's lives. You know, it was so fun. So although he was grumpy at the beginning, by the end, I mean, we were best friends. And this is what I loved about it, is that at least three tables around us I could see, you know, you can watch their body language. They were just ignoring us, and then, you know, they would catch a word, catch a word, catch a word. And then finally, all those tables were still, and I could see everyone, you know, just heads slightly turned. They were listening. <laughs> and when I noticed that, I just talked louder. <laughs> but guys, you've been chosen. God came and found you. And in the same way, we can go and find people. We can, we can partner with him as he chooses many others. It's such a great scripture. In John 15, it says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You know, when I was talking to this guy, I've done this a lot of times, so I must admit the first times I did it, I was quite scared. The first time, I, not scared, I was just, maybe there was anticipation. What if he says, don't ever come in my restaurant again, or, you know, I never want to see you. But I've, I've discovered over the years that that has never, ever happened. Really, it's never, ever happened. If I approach it by starting a conversation and just finding about something about them, and then I hook some aspect of my own testimony onto what they are going through, I've never had, well, I've had one person. I'll tell you about it sometime. But apart from that one person, I've never, ever had anyone reject what I've said 
And always they want to talk more. And nine times out of ten, they ask me this question, what church do you go to? So what I want to say about that, that's, that's almost like when God chooses me, fruitfulness becomes a natural byproduct of living in relationship with him. Mark 3 says this, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and then he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. How many of you would like to cast out a few demons? Guys, I heard some no's at the front. It's super fun, guys. It's super fun. You should all want to do it. They hate you. They are terrified. You just open your mouth and they run screaming in the other direction. No, really, don't give in to that fear thing. (laughs) But really, and it's not like you even have to see them. I'm telling you, when I spoke to that guy, there were demons fleeing. Because that grumpiness on his face wasn't just his own grumpiness. That was the devil holding him in bondage. And by the end of it, he was was light, he was free, and he had purpose in his life. And I'm telling you, some demons fled in that moment. In addition, you know, the the joy of seeing people healed. I've prayed for a lot of people to be healed. Not all of them have been healed. But I promise you this, every single person I've prayed for outside of the church to be healed has always been healed. And you want to have that kind of adventure, give it a bash. And if it doesn't work the first time, do it again. And do it again. And do it again. But Jesus called his disciples to be with him, to be in relationship, to be secure in his love. And then out of that place, to release his love by telling people what they had discovered in Jesus. The scripture goes on and it says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one. What I love about the message that Philip spoke to Nathaniel is that he was clearly friends with Nathaniel and he clearly understood Nathaniel's world. Because, you know, if someone came to me and said, we have found the one that the prophets and Moses spoke about, I would go, so? You know, I'm not, you know when I, before I knew the Lord, I was so not interested in Moses and the prophets. Really? But Nathaniel was a Jew, and he grew up reading Moses and the prophets. His whole world was expecting the one that Moses and the prophets were talking about. So Philip wasn't coming with a religious message. He was coming for a message that he knew Nathaniel wanted to hear. So the person you meet... They may not be waiting for Moses and the prophet's answer, but they might be waiting for a healed marriage. And your message is going to be something to the effect of, you know what? Jesus healed my marriage. Come and meet the one who can do the same for you. They might be battling with sickness or disease, and your, your response is going to be, come and see the one who heals. 
They might be battling with feelings of inferiority or feelings of just not being worth anything. And your message is going to be, come and see the one who can make you great. And you're going to hook your message on their need. And therefore, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know them. And your testimony, what God has done in your life. So you have been chosen to bring a message. Interestingly enough, but the, the message that the Bible speaks about, it uses the word message a lot of times. And, and when it is describing the message or the messenger, it uses a series of words that literally mean a herald who is bringing a declaration. And in those days, what they had, they had... Um, men who would live closely in the king's court or in the ruler's court or in the ruler's environment. And at some stage, the ruler of that region or that king of that region would want to get a message out to his people, not having email, TV, um, Instagram, etc. He would say to the man in his midst who was close to him and understood the message and say, would you go to all the marketplaces? of the nearby towns, and would you stand in the middle of the marketplace and would you declare this message? And the message that we have is just such a message that as we are with Jesus, we hear his heart, we understand his ways, and, and he is saying to us, will you stand in public places and declare that? That doesn't mean you go to work with one of those megaphones and stand on your desk and say, hello, everyone. If you want to do that, by all means... Just make sure I'm there with my camera. I want to see it. But mostly it means that in public scenarios, with your friends, with other people, you declare what you know to be true. There's a great scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 3 to 5. Paul is talking and he's talking about the message that he declared to the Corinthians, he's, it says this, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In other words, you don't have to know everything. The fact that you stand up and say something is just a, a demonstration of the power of God in action. The fact that your words, your simple words, have a great effect on the person is an example of God's power in action. Yeah. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, he described that same, or he rewrote that scripture in this way. I was unsure of how to go about this. Ever felt like that? And felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death. If you want the truth of it, and so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. You know, I remember the first woman I shared my faith with. And I want to be honest with you. She did get saved, but I don't know why. <laughs> no, really. 
when I think what I shared with her, I'm just like, wow, wow. God must have changed my words. And I remember sitting with her and praying with her for hours and explaining my, my journey with Jesus, which I didn't really understand. I didn't even really know how I'd gotten saved, to be honest. It was like all just a little bit of a mystery to me. But all I could say to her is that Jesus changed my life. Yeah. And she said to me, well, I want my life changed too. Please pray with me. And I don't even know if my prayer was a valid salvation prayer, but we did it anyway. And to this day, she's serving the Lord. Some things are so worth doing that they are even worth doing badly. <laughs> Do you get me? Yeah. <laughs> it's worth just saying something. Whenever I engage in spiritual conversation with people, I like to have three questions that I can throw out. The first question that I ask is if I could just pray for them. And I always seek to pray for them right then and there. After I pray for them, I always ask them if they consider themselves to be far from God or near to God. And I try to listen to their story. And after I listen to their story, I always ask this third question. Can I show you a picture that changed my life and it helped me become near to God? And if they tell me yes, I pull out a little note card and I begin showing them this picture that you're about to see right now. Everywhere we look in our world, we see brokenness. Our world, it's imperfect, it's cracked, and even ourselves as individuals, we too are imperfect and we're cracked. So we're, we're broken people. But when God created the world, this wasn't his desire. In fact, he actually had a perfect design in mind. Now, the Bible says that we went from God's perfect design to brokenness because of sin. And sin is basically anything that we do that's against God or disobeys God. But you see, God actually had a plan to restore us which is why we learn about this third circle, Jesus. Now Jesus, he's God who came down into our broken world. But you see, he was perfect. He didn't know sin, he had no sin. And as he was perfect, he was willing to die on a cross to become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And then three days later, he rose from the dead so that he can restore us back to God's design. And now Jesus tells us, no matter who we are, how we can get back to God. He tells us to do two things. Number one, turn from our sin and living life our own way. And two, choose to follow Jesus and make him our boss and make him our Lord. And if we do that, if we choose to turn and follow, we can come to Jesus. And Jesus promises to restore us back to his design. And the best thing happens when we do that is all of God comes into us and he changes us and he tells us and helps us do these next two things which is to grow grow in our relationship with Jesus so that it becomes stronger and number two go go back into the world of brokenness so that other people more and more people can hear how they too can escape and become near to God everyone in the world is in one of two places they could be here in brokenness or they could be here in God's perfect design which place are you That didn't seem that hard, did it?
I think you can do it on a serviette. You can do it on the, the back of your form you're filling in at home affairs. You can do it in the inside of your passport at the airport. You know, you can do it anywhere. Maybe not on the inside of your passport. But you have a message that everyone wants to hear. I want, this is an important point, is you know that everyone is longing for something. Everyone is longing for completeness and wholeness. Everyone is longing for a change. And so we often are afraid of rejection as we go out to, to share our faith. But I want to let you know that the people around you are longing for the message that you carry. You know, it is true that your ability to make friends, to reach out in relationship, creates pathways for people to journey towards Christ. And friendship, as C.S. Lewis says, is born at that moment when one pe person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. And so as you get to know people and you hear what their needs are, I bet you you've been through that too. And when you can say, you know what, me too. Yeah. Immediately there's a friendship that's formed. And you can share your journey. You can take them on the journey that you are walking on into Christ. And it's an interesting thing that Rick Richardson says. He says that today people come to Christ primarily in the context of community. Belonging, be, belonging comes before believing. Our communities need to be placed where people can connect. Sorry. Our communities need to be places where people can connect before they have to commit. Yeah, good. Good. In other words, just go out there and find the people. Be friends with them and bring them into your world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll come in with problems. We don't have to sort out the problems first. First, get them into the community. And once they're in that community, we'll work on the problems. There are longings in the hearts of people around you that your story will answer. As you start conversations, ask questions, listen and tell your story and tell his story, the Holy Spirit will lead you to say things to and do things for people that will bring them closer to Christ. Just one. Take the risk. Take a chance. See what God will do. We take a risk by beginning relationships. Inviting people into our worlds to connect group, to church, to the coming equip evening about marriage, to victory weekend, victory training. How many of you know broken people? Why don't you invite them to victory tra training? <laughs> Not how many of you are broken people. How many of you know broken people? How about inviting them to victory training? How about inviting them to connect group? God will do something. Salt, start a conversation, ask questions, listen. Find that connection point, that point of commonality. Tell your story and tell Jesus' story. And then keep walking with them. This is the important thing. Don't leave it there. How do we keep walking with them? We help them to join a connect group. We get them to ignition training. We get them to victory training. We get them to equip training. And we get them to making disciples training. And then you have made a disciple. Yeah. Can we give the Lord a hand? Yeah. <laughs>
you have been chosen to bring a message that everyone wants yes. to hear. Awesome. Around you, there is a person that is waiting for what you have right. in your heart. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just pray that, Father God, you would come and fill all of our hearts with a renewed courage, Lord God. And, Father God, more than just courage, but just a, a concept of who we are in you, Lord God. Just a, a surety that we are loved and chosen and belong. And Father God, would you use us to step into our worlds, Lord God, to release the love and the life that you've put in our hearts. Lord God, I ask for everyone here that we would come to love people like never before. That we would come to see people like you see them. And Father God, I pray that in our relationship with you, in places that we have fear or insecurity or just any brokenness of our own, Lord God, would you come and heal that, Lord God? Would you set us free to love life? to love people and to love you. Father God, would you bring and return to us the joy of our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen.